Hello, this is James Ippolitti, host of Out of Silence. I wanted to jump in just to let you know that you may hear that it is the Songsmith Podcast or Creativity Gurus Podcast. Season one of both of those have been combined to the name Out of Silence, and that will be the name moving forward for any interviews that I have about creativity. So don't be confused. Songsmith Podcast and the Creativity Gurus is now under one brand, Out of Silence. Peace. Greetings, Hepcats. Welcome to the latest edition of the Creativity Guru. I am your host, James Ippolitti. In this episode, I open up the podcast vault once again to reveal my 2008 conversation with Crispin Glover. Glover is best known for portraying eccentric characters on screen, most notably as George McFly in Back to the Future, and my favorite, Lane in River's Edge. Crispin Glover was my first big-name interview, and he was generous with his time during a time when most people did not know what a podcast was. You're also going to hear another voice, a co-host named Doug Lipsky. I had some co-hosts back then because, to be honest, I was nervous to do interviews alone. Crispin Glover discusses his work on his It trilogy, as well as other moments in his career. Each week, I speak with artists of all mediums, asking them about their creative journey with the hope that you may glean something from our conversations to help you on your own journey so that you may live your creative dreams. So if you would like to support this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribe so you're notified when I post new episodes. And being a newer podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would give this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And now let's... Traditional paths of success were sexier to me than the risk of, of living an embodied creative life. If I trace it back, I mean... Some of my strongest memories of childhood are standing in the backyard, just painting, just doing whatever the hell I felt like, um, constantly lost in imagination, creativity. Um, those were my favorite things to do as a child. And when I got to college, I went in thinking I was going to be a philosophy major. I've always loved philosophy. I think it's so interesting. Yep. And I was the only girl in the philosophy department. Um, And as a freshman philosophy major, when there's all of these dudes trying to talk over you and tell you why you're wrong, it scared me out. If I'm honest, I got scared and I defected to the art history department where there were only two majors (laughs) (laughs) and art history was this beautiful opening up of, oh my God. I have always just observed the visual culture. I've always loved it. I've always loved, um, I've always loved art. I've always loved being in museums. I get lost in it. And the thing about art history was that it allowed me to engage with philosophy, uh, anthropology, sociology, visual culture, all of it was all wrapped up in art history. And so I just took off with it. I loved it. Um, I spent, so I went to school at a private Christian liberal arts college. So we can unpack that later if you'd like to. (laughs) Um, And I got a chance to go to New York for a semester in 2009. And it was an immersion arts program. So I was writing a thesis paper while I was there. I was spending tons of times in the museums. I was interacting with a ton of other artists. And it really just, 
it fed my soul in a way I'd never been fed. And it expanded my world, it made forced me to really think about things It pushed me up against things that made me really uncomfortable. And in so many ways, I, when I talk about that time in my life, it was the, it was the moment I was born, really, um, because I finally was not trying to, I was, I was reckoning with fitting into a mold versus choosing what felt right for the very first time in my life. The years following that were a lot of trying to make the smart decision and working for all of these startups and constantly burning out and feeling like I had these creative projects that I really wanted to be able to do, but I didn't have the time or the energy or the emotional capacity to handle them. And at the beginning of 2020, I hit my absolute wall with these jobs that I was working in. And I said, actually, no, I have to believe that I can choose a life of more frequently engaging my creativity. And that was a very hard hill to climb. But I had so many great examples throughout my life that I really kind of went back and, and looked at who those people were that made that choice and made that choice unapologetically. And I did this really profound exercise at one point at the beginning of 2020, um, where I looked at, I made a list of all the people that I knew either personally or were kind of in my network, even if I didn't know them personally, whose story I knew that they had said, I'm going to choose this path and I'm going to choose it unapologetically. And I came up with a list of, it, it ended up being like 50 something people who would prove that all of my excuses about why I couldn't have that would prove me wrong. Right. And that was the moment when I kind of went, oh, this is in my head. <laughs> like, yeah, right. There's some big, big to overcome here, but there's a lot of people who, if I was in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, they would keep asking, well, why? Why can't you have that? Why can't you do that? Um, and I would, my excuses wouldn't hold up anymore. Um, so that's kind of the quick and dirty of how <laughs> I landed where I'm at now. And it's been a very turbulent 2020 it was a very turbulent era, uh, year for so many of us, but to be pursuing that, to be pursuing truth of expression in a year like 2020 and to be trying to do it unapologetically was such a beautiful expansion of where I'm at today. Yeah. You know, it's interesting so, you bring up 2020 because I think 2020 made a lot of people stop and look at their lives and say, what the hell have I been doing and, you know, we had a lot of time to think about that, whether it was because you're now working at home or you're not working at all. You had to really ask those deep questions. Yeah, I totally agree. Somebody asked me in one of my comments, or maybe it was on a live one time, they said, how do you feel like 2020 affected your creativity? And I said, I think it was the absolute best thing that could have ever happened to my creativity because suddenly all of the external reasons why you can't sit down and be with something that's hard and creativity is fucking hard, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Consistently engaging it is one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. So I didn't have the excuses that I usually use as to why I'm not going to be with it or why I'm not going to interact with it. Yeah, I think um, early, early on... I remember thinking, okay, well, we're locked down kind of. And if I get out of this and I look back and say, oh my God, I had all this time 
at home and I, I have nothing to show for it. Cause this was a time, you know, where I was like for a moment there, I was like sitting there and I had time to work on stuff. Um, there was no excuses at that point. So I, I mean, you always got to look at things, try to find the good in, in even these horrible events, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's really nothing that we can do about the overarching event. And it brings home this idea that we are responsible for our response to things, our reaction to things, how we use the time, how we use the space. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a it's a challenge to not feel like, okay, so now that I have this time, what do I what am I gonna have to show for it? Um and it's not even about that. And I think that's part of the unraveling. That's part of the unveiling is that, oh, it's about my process. It's about paying attention. It's about watching myself do the things I always do, listening to myself, tell myself the stories I always tell and exploring those, exploring what goes on in that space. Where did this focus, focus, I'm using on deep focus, the focus on deep focus, where did that begin and and it's the thing that you said in one of your tiktoks that really stuck with me because i know i read it somewhere the amount of time it takes for a person to get back into something once they're distracted if you want to kind of talk about that and because this is a struggle i have and i'm sure a lot of people do mm -hmm. yeah i think one of the reasons why so many people um especially neurodivergent people are drawn to creating art, engaging their creativity is because we've been given this story about being chaotic people and not being able to finish things and not being able to stick with things and getting halfway into a project and then losing your momentum. It's like, there's a whole bunch of these stories that we all carry around with us and 2020 was a tremendous lesson in surrender for me. I had to let go of a business that I had been working on for three years, felt really committed to, felt really passionate about. It was a beautiful intersection of interior design, which is a lot of what I've spent the last few years working on. And also, how does your interior environment reflect your internal state? What's going on with you? Um, and so I was getting to work with people here and there, but it just wasn't getting the momentum that I really thought I wanted it to happen. And so I hit this point around halfway through the year where I learned, figured out, you know what, I think it's about. We'll be like, wow, that looks really stupid. And then you go see it and it's like, wow, that was really good. Um, or books that might seem really ridiculous that come out and they're very good. So now let's talk about your crazy idea. You must have something in your head that has either just popped up or has been popping up for years, and you keep thinking about it, and you keep having that negative Karen voice come in and telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. And I'm here to tell you, yes, you should do it, but you need to first say, I believe in this project, I believe it should be made. And I will continue to do this until it is done. And this is hard, hard work. Because that voice in your head that's negative in the beginning is not going to shut up. You have to work on 
listening to your thoughts and redirecting your thoughts to a positive outcome, not a negative outcome. And so these crazy ideas are going to come and you know you have one. You're going to work on it. It could be a painting. Maybe some people have ideas of doing a mural. And I had a muralist on not too long ago. And that's a very big task to take on. But maybe that's your dream, to paint a mural. But you think it's crazy or you don't know where to start. We're not talking about right now. We're not talking about having the skill to do it. We're talking about having the idea and saying, I want to make it happen. I want to talk future about, all right, now that I'm going to make this happen, how do I make it happen? What skills do I need? But right now, we are thinking only about the idea and then saying, I'm going to commit to make this idea real. I'm going to make it happen no matter how long it takes, no matter how many obstacles I face, I'm going to do it. That's what you need to be saying every day. I know there are some things that might seem easier. You could say, well, you know, obviously if you're an artist and your big idea is to draw a picture, you could have that done in an afternoon, but I want to write a novel. All right. Yes, a novel takes many months, sometimes years to complete but we can't think of it that right now. You know you want to write a novel, then you've got to start writing every day and think of each paragraph as the artist version of a drawing. An artist is not doing a drawing and stopping and never doing any other drawings. They are trying to do a drawing and then getting better, and they're going to do this for years to get an entire portfolio of art and hopefully improving. So their, their journey is just as long. And you need, if you have a project like a novel or a film that you want to make, you need to break that down into daily tasks so it doesn't become overwhelming and you start thinking, oh, I can't, the novel's just too much. Also, guess what? You don't have to write a novel. Write a short story. I think it was Ray Bradbury, Ray Bradbury who said, you know, if you write 100 short stories, you can't help but write one good one. 101, maybe 52 stories in a year. Like every week, write a story and one of them will be good. You just can't avoid it because you're going to get better and better and better and better. And this is the advice from anybody who is in the creative fields who want to tell you the only way to get better is to do it every day and be committed to it. There is no get rich quick scheme. And you'll now say, well, James, what about those people who like become overnight successes on you know, Instagram or YouTube or TikTok? Well, some of those are not overnight successes. They are people who have been working a very long time and then luckily got discovered. And some of those are freaks that come up and just be like, wow, all right, here's somebody who did something. Um, but... Those are so rare, and they're also, I wouldn't say, so, like there's two examples. You know, someone like um, Billie Eilish, I mean, she couldn't have done that alone. She had her brother, and her and her brother, their whole lives before ever getting to Ocean Eyes, you know, they've been musically involved. They've been writing and doing all this stuff. And it feels like they were overnight successes, but it just, things went well for them. They were at the right place on the right platform at the right time 
and they found the right people. But they couldn't have gotten that far. Definitely her brother, Phineas, has, has had a lot of skill and years and years of talent to get them where they were. Now, what is your crazy idea? I want you to go over to Instagram. My Instagram is at James underscore Ippolitti. And, you know, follow me if you're not. Let me know. Post a story and tag me in it. Tell me what your crazy idea that you're going to commit to and that you're going to make. I really want to know what it is. So let's recap. Crazy ideas can come from anywhere at any time. You also want to make sure you have a way of remembering those crazy ideas. Either you have a good memory like Stephen King or you write it down. Then you must commit to that that crazy idea. Commit by breaking it down into tasks every day and working on it every day. Turning off those negative thoughts. But the main thing is saying, I am going to do X until it is done. No matter what, it will exist. And I will work very hard and I will push back when I get negative thoughts. This is the first step on your creative journey. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about everything when it comes to making this crazy idea a reality, making that project become what you want. But right now, the only thing you need to do is write down somewhere, I will commit to making this, and whatever your crazy idea is, happen. And to even make it better, have a deadline. By the end of the year, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, depending on how long it takes, right? If you're writing a book, I will commit to having a first draft by the end of the month or whatever long it takes. Now, don't think, oh my God, I'm on James, what are you, crazy? But they haven't, you know, uh, the National November Writing Month. People write entire books and they're usually first drafts in that one month. But that's up to you. Whatever you want to do, don't beat yourself up. You know yourself. You know what you can accomplish. So make that commitment. And that is what I want you to do this week. I want you to make sure you're committed to making your crazy idea a reality. Again, make sure you follow me on Instagram at James underscore Ippolitti. I'm on TikTok at James Ippolitti. I'm on YouTube. Just search James Ippolitti. And until next week, peace and love. Do what you want with it. There are sessions that I get on where I'm squirrely as all hell and I can't get myself to sit down and focus. Not a good session for me. But I know that that doesn't mean the next time I do it, that it won't be a good session for me. Right. Because I know that's on me. And the, the cool thing about doing it virtually and doing it on Zoom is that by doing it virtually, you can be in your art studio, you can be practicing your instruments, you can be doing whatever it is you want to do. And because we're on mute for 40 to 50 minutes, nobody can hear you. Nobody, you can turn off your camera if you want to. It's like, it's totally your time to do with it however you want to. I'm just here to help you hold the space for your creative capacity. 
That's smart. Yeah, I mean, that's really good because I know, like, I can be in mind to recut the film for each state. So what they did was they came up with their own jurisdiction, something called the Hayes Commission. Mm -hmm. right. And in 1934, that, that came into being. And there's a drastic difference in the films. You, you see the early sound films, you know, 1929, 30, 31, 32, and 33. And, and the way that elements are dealt with, uh, sexuality, drug use, uh, racial elements, uh, right. the, the, all the kinds of things yeah. are, are, are actually highly reflective of what the culture was at the time. And you can, you can see quite clearly what the culture in the United States was, or well, all across the world at that time. But uh, if we're specifically talking about the United States, which what is it is very much reacting to, to things in the United States. And although it's worldwide, but very specifically that, then it was that that rating system was the same until the 19 uh, uh, late 50s or 60s, I believe. And then they came up with the G GPRX, which then turned uh, are now G uh, PG 13. Are NC-17, but the NC-17 came into being when the uh, the multiplex 